Martin was looking at a gathering of people who were looking at him, men, women and children, all with the same facial expression. Was this a dream? He had always been good at reading the psychic temperature in a room. Now his social radar was not working and he was paralyzed, just like the moment before waking up from his nightmares. All these people looking at him had open mouths and wide motionless eyes, reminding him of pictures of aliens from some distant planet. The faces and the erect bodies had no muscle movement and revealed nothing about what was going on. Martin felt an urge to escape, but his body would not obey his mind. Nothing moved, no wind, no sound, no voices, only the heat from the hot sun in Zenit and the distinct smell of warm asphalt. The crowd silently opened a path in front of him as if somebody had carefully choreographed the movements and Martin understood that the opening was for him to enter, knowing that something was waiting for him. Slowly, he entered the path. His body felt like it was weighed down by a rucksack full of stones. Several times he fell down on the road and each time he was helped to his feet by the people in the crowd. His eyes were fixed to the ground to keep safe from falling. The crowd appeared like the sides of a deep gorge that became longer, deeper and narrower with each step. Martin heard ambulance sirens in the distance, a sound that ripped a large hole in the deafening silence, and then there it was again in a flash, the copper gate right in front of him, mightier than any of the dreams or the experience with Antonio in the Peruvian jungle. The intense burning white light that he remembered from the past was now replaced by a pulsed sating light in the colors of the rainbow pouring out from the crack between the two doors. For a brief moment, the experience of beauty washed away his fear and he allowed himself to sink into the miracle that engulfed him. And then the voice broke the spell and fear and anxiety was back with a vengeance. Martin, get down on all four and keep your head down. I will leave enough opening for you to come through, and once you are through, you and I will connect at the place from which I am now speaking. If on the other hand you decide to look up in defiance of my instruction, then you must know that this gate will be closed forever, and there is nothing you can do about that. No prayers will have the power to give you another chance to enter. If you are staying where you are now, and that is your choice, you will be picked up and simply taken away. The voice was a firm voice of a woman. Antonio had spent days with Martin, guiding him to these doors, but always in vain. Martin had never been able to convince himself to take that last step into the light. What did Antonio know that he claimed he wanted for me? Did he really love me 
like he made me believe, or did he secretly dislike me, setting a trap that would lead him to a burning hell? All the complex relations with Antonio was passing through his mind with amazing clarity, and then the doors opened slowly without making a sound. Martin was standing on all four, head down to the ground, struggling with a difficult choice. Stay on this side and be simply taken away, as the voice had said. Taken away to where and by whom? Perhaps to be further tortured by bad dreams and never get to rest my mind full of broken promises, guilt and shame. Then again, if I don't pass through, I will never know what life has been trying to tell me for all these years. I know what I have in my life and I can stay here on this side even if I must continue to live with the sad and painful aspects of the way it is now. And I have no idea what horror is waiting for me on the other side. Martin cried out the question into the void. What reason can you give me to cross with no idea what awaits me on the other side? Who are you speaking to me from the other side of the door? What is your reason to suggest that I pass over to the other side? And why do you want to join me there? After a long silence, the voice said, The copper gate does not just exist in the ordinary way that you are used to in your everyday life. You ask me about the reasons to cross over to the other side. First, try to realize that the one who is on the other side is you. Now listen carefully. The choice you must consider now is whether you choose the opportunity to become fully awakened which will be made possible by entering through the gate. The alternative you have is to stay where you are now and let you be ruled by tricksters and ghosts bringing endless misery to your life. This is a choice only you can make, Martin. I must urge you to act quickly because I am running out of patience with you. The gate will be permanently closed in a few moments. Martin hesitated for another split second, and then he made his decision. He started to crawl towards a luminous rainbow light between the two open gates. After the doors had closed behind him with a deep rumble, the multicolored light was instantly replaced by a cold, gray, bone-chilling mist. Still walking on all four with his head down, he was met with a ferocious roar that appeared to be coming from a distance ahead. The voice came back now sounding like it was coming from behind him. Martin, you must know that this entrance is guarded by a ferocious animal. You're just about to be attacked, and right now you must stand up and face the beast that is coming for you. Remember to fix its eyes with your eyes, and stay in place, no matter what emotions are trying to get hold of you. The beast wants you to flee, and if you do, the opportunities that you are now waiting for will be lost forever. The beast may throw sand and earth to your eyes, but you must stay in place, not moving back or forward, 
even with the slightest movement. Provided you are strong enough to take hold of yourself, then you and I will have the good fortune to meet again. Now let me wish you good luck. Martin quickly came to his feet and noticed a dark forest towering like a wall in front of him. The ear-shattering roar coming towards him from the forest multiplied with the surrounding echo. The crackling sound of breaking twigs came closer and then a large furry wolf-like creature the size of a bear came galloping towards him with burning eyes large sharp teeth and a gap foaming with rage. The beast came all the way up to Martin and made ear-splitting growls that pushed out the thick stinking saliva that splattered over his face and torso. Martin stood his ground even though his whole being was shouting at him to turn around and flee. As he was told he fixed his eyes on the glowing amber-colored eyes of the raging animal, and the miracle happened. The bee stopped the attack and lay down at his feet, looking at him with sleepy eyes. Martin was overcome by an explicable feeling of compassion for the beast, and he reached out to the large furry head and started to gently rub it as the beast closed the eyes in obvious pleasure. Liberated from his fear, Martin looked around and became aware of the mouth of a tunnel that opened at the beginning of the forest. For no obvious reason, Martin understood that he had to walk into the tunnel. The beast stood up, stretched, and slowly walked ahead of him into the tunnel, which was vibrating with sounds, reminding him of large waves crashing against the beach of stones and pebbles. He walked into absolute darkness and let his hand follow the slippery sides, hoping that he wouldn't fall down into a hole or down some stairs. A strong odor let him know that the beast was walking ahead of him, and he came so close that he was able to grab its spiny tail and let the beast lead him the way further into the darkness. After what seemed like an eternity of slow walking through the tunnel, the sound faded away, the beast stopped and turned around, and Martin sensed that he had reached an end. As he grouped around in the darkness, his hands identified a circular opening made from some kind of steely, polished material. His hand searched around the opening and found the same clay-like slippery material that his hand had known walking through the tunnel. He turned around and took a few steps back, only to be met with an angry roar from the beast, letting him know that the return back through the tunnel was not an option. Martin lifted himself to the edge of the opening, sat down and started to slide down, first using his hands and feet to slow down the fall. After a short struggle, he had to let go. At the end of a terrifying fall, through twists and turns, 
he fell on his back on a small grassy meadow with fragrant summer flowers. He looked around in amazement to find something familiar where none could be found except the grass and the flowers. The meadow was surrounded with glossy white walls, no doors, no windows, no roof. The one thing in the room that helped him fix his mind was a perfect square of cobalt blue sky above. Martin fell asleep. He woke up to the voice instructing him to get ready to continue the journey. To where and how? he asked. No way to climb up towards the blue sky and no opening in any of the four shiny walls. His lament was met with a long silence and then the voice asked him to put his hand on any of the four walls and experiment with different pressures. To his amazement, his hand and half his arm sank into the white surface just when he found the right balance between action and inactivity. When he slowly pulled back his arm, the wall went back to the same surface without leaving a trace from the arm. He put his foot to the wall with the same kind of pressure and the same thing happened. What do you want me to do? Martin asked a voice. Walk through the wall and end up where? The question again was met with silence and Martin saw no other way other than to continue the journey. He sat down on the meadow to gather strength to walk through the wall. Having the enraged beast in memory, he couldn't help thinking that some new horrifying surprise would be waiting for him on the other side. He forced his worries to the side, stood up and walked into the surface with the same pace and pressure that he had used with his hand and foot, and the wall gave way. Just as his body was about to liberate to the other side of the wall, he froze, and again he experienced numbness and fear that he had come to the end, that he was about to become a permanent part of the wall. Some force on the other side was now pulling at his hands and feet and with a sudden jerk, he found himself lying on a polished floor. The room, the size of a cathedral, had the same glossy white walls as in the space he had just left. He looked around, waking up from a dream inside of a dream. There was no clue to help him relate to anything from past experiences. The high ceiling was held up by rows of undecorated pillars. The room had four large doors centered on each of the four walls. The doors were covered by copper richly decorated with bas-relief images that Martin did not recognize from anything he had ever seen before. The floor was covered with a surface that looked like shiny pink marble. The only objects in this space was a large, richly adorned wooden table with four chairs arranged in a row. 
A fifth chair was standing on the other side of the table. Sit down, Martin. The voice was not asking. He struggled to stand up from the floor and sat down on the chair as he was told. This must be some kind of stage, Martin was telling himself, worrying about what was going to happen next. He tried to stand up when the voice came back and firmly told him to be patient and remain seated. After a few hours of tense stillness, all four doors opened at the same time, and three women and one man entered the room at exactly the same time. All four turned around, shut and locked the doors, and marched up to the table where they put four keys in a box richly adorned with precious stones. They sat down looking at Martin without revealing any feelings or purpose. Two of the three women were without makeup and had natural grey hair closely cropped. The third woman had long blonde hair, cherry red lips, false eyelashes and large earrings. Her breasts were large and she wore a tight miniskirt that exposed the shape of her body. The man looked like he was in his 70s. His chocolate-colored face had a kind look framed by an unkept beard. He was dressed in an elegant, colorful robe. Martin took measures of the four persons one by one, and he didn't recognize any of them. As soon as everybody had sat down, the voice came back and spoke with authority. Martin, you're invited to spend time with these four people. Your task is to jointly find truth in whatever way you think about what truth is. The four people now facing you have been instructed to put the keys in the box on the table. Those four keys will remain under my control for now. The rules are simple and easy to understand. There is no particular clear goal set for any of you, except you will have to be working with each other to seek the answer to what truth is and then proceed to discover the future for all of you. You will not be able to leave the room and you cannot use physical force to settle disagreements. You may hear from me from time to time when I decide that you need help. Nothing in the room moved. No sound, no eyelid was batted, no posture changed position, and there was no sign what was going on in the minds of these four people. Martin used the silence to examine what was going on inside of himself, and he concluded that the whole thing was some kind of a trap. Why did these people, with their unsmiling faces, look like they were there to sit in judgment? Why was he finding himself in this enormous room built to a scale obviously meant to diminish him to an insignificant proportion? Martin decided to hide behind the silence. He briefly weighed the risk of leaving the initiative to these people 
to set the stage for what was to come, but he decided to wait. The silence dominated the room until one of the women who said that her name was Mary started to speak. 